Whether you keep them in your home or love to see them in theirs, these are the creatures that bring us all together. Reptiles. Reptiles. We're going to be delving into the experiences of reptile lovers from around the block and around the world. This is the Reptile Talk Podcast. What's going on, everybody? This is Jeremy Turgeon from Brassman Reptiles. And this is Rob, and I'm Creeping It Real. And I'm super pumped tonight because we have a very special guest with us. We got Trace Harden from Harden Herpetoculture here. Woo. How are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We doing are great. doing great. Yeah. I'm super excited to have you on, man, um, and and just super excited to get into it. So. I know you you kind of bridge the gap. You're a little bit into a little bit of everything it feels like and and so I wanted to kind of start off with I know you keep a little bit of arachnids, you do some amphibians, you've got some snakes and stuff like that. So what really got you like super into was there any specific species that like got you interested in keeping like, you know, quote unquote exotic animals? Uh, you know, I think I was always like a bug guy yeah. over everything else. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, reptiles, like, the vast majority of my collection is reptiles, and mostly, like, boas and pythons and stuff like that. Um, love them to death, but, like, man, there's nothing cooler than, like, giant beetles and walking yeah. sticks and, like, <laughs> you know, awesome tarantulas, stuff like that, you know. And, Rolf, I'm not mistaken, like, I, I think you and I, like, we've never met, but, like, w I know we know each other from, like, the Arachnoboard Forum, yep. and, like Pet Bug Forum, and all that stuff from like when we were kids. A million years and ago. So, <laughs> yeah, man. So it's like it's, it's great to finally like you know uh, actually talk to you. And Jeremy, I listen I listen to both of you guys' episodes. Uh, great stuff so far. Thank you. Really that. appreciate Jeremy, it. Was, we're yeah, trying to have some fun. Pinley, the, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, no, it's cool. Uh, I was um I talk a lot. So. No, <laughs> that's that, cool, man. I'm down with that. <laughs> um, yeah, I was at that uh, that Tinley that you got the, the name the Brassman Reptiles, man. I was, oh, uh, you were there, dude. I was, I was there. I was at that uh, at the uh, auction. Oh, what is it? The bidding got an auction. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, great stuff, man. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> That's yeah, crazy. I think I was probably seeing you bid on things, like shaking my head, like this guy. Oh this my god, what is he doing yeah. right now, dude? That's what happens when uh, when beers are three bucks. <laughs> like I've kind of stopped drinking at those auctions because it's like all of a sudden I'm like five hundred bucks. Like oh man, yep, yeah, like, dude. When yeah, I woke so. up with a slight hangover and uh, 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 I don't want to talk about how many thousand dollar uh, withdrawal <laughs> from that credit card. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Oh my god! See, I was I was kind of a bug kid too, because like when I was little, my mom kept tarantulas um, as opposed yeah. to like other pets. So like when she would clean the enclosures, it was just like pink toes and, and red knees and stuff, Avicularia brachythelma. So she would just like let me hold them. So like when I was a little kid, I walk around with a pink toe tarantula climbing all over me, and you know I was just always yeah. super into the tarantulas. And my you know when I did science fair when I was a kid, I would bring in my tarantulas and feed them there, yep. and whatever right. we got to watch it and stuff. And so like I kind of I vibe with that. Like I, when I started out with arachnids, I wasn't I didn't have any reptiles when I was growing up. But then getting expanding once you know you go outside of the realm of getting a couple tarantulas, then you know you get some other stuff. And I mean you've got some amazing animals like. I, I see all the pictures and the videos you post, like your Kaiser newts, and I'm like, oh man, those oh, things yeah. are so amazing. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, and there's just you know the diversity in the world, and like just being into you know um, all creepy crawlies, you know, yes. it's like I can really appreciate all of this stuff. So uh, super into amphibians. 
and it, you know it's nice i've got that like scatterbrain you know I, I like to bounce around when i get you know uh too much of the kaiser newts you know i'm trying to breed them this year and so now they're they're done breeding i, I didn't get any eggs oh, like uh ooh. this year so i'm super bummed so now it's like all right well now i'll What's go focus on tarantulas or something yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you just got some carpet yeah. python eggs recently too right I did, yeah. I got three clutches of carpets. Oh, uh, yes. Awesome. Real nice jungles. Beautiful. Uh, I've got, yeah, thank you, thank you. I've got some uh, extraordinary ectotherm bloodlines from my friend Will Bird. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Will Bird. And that actually kind of, and then I've got some from Derek Roddy down in uh, South Florida who does mostly oh, blackhead yeah. pythons. But yeah. Killer bloodlines of jungles. Dude. But I... um, that actually kind of taking a, a little bit step back like um will bird i guess we could you know i actually volunteered at louisville zoo when i was a kid like my mom knew that i was into tarantulas and weird bugs and stuff like that and same as you rob like i think the first exotic pet i got i convinced my parents to let me get a madagascar hissing air quotes beetle because i knew i couldn't <laughs> say the word cockroach because they and didn't so want to tell the, the parents store. that it's a roach yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, don't, like, come on, guys. You really failed at, you know, 12-year-olds trying to buy exotic pets here. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, my, I convinced my dad to take me to the pet store, and uh, pet store not too far from my house. It was uh, one of the biggest exotic pet stores, I think, in Kentucky. I actually started working there when I was 14. This is a few years before then. I was just – I was like a pet store fly. I was just always there. Yep. Yep. This place was called Pet Palace in Louisville, Kentucky, and it's still around. They've moved where they were originally but it's still around yeah but uh yeah you know my dad let me get a uh hissing cockroach madagascar hissing cockroach and um at the time i didn't know that you could sex them so easily you know the males have the horns the on horns, their yeah, pronotum right. i got a female and they're live bearers oh. and like i'm an idiot kid and oh. like, dude, Look, my room was full of like little cockroaches in no time oh, like, oh they my had god I always had like praying mantis and Sika hatching and like dude, mm-hmm. it was just I oh god yeah I was like just a true testament to uh to my parents because like I've even lost I had uh 15 years old or so had a uh, scolopendra gigantia oh because god. this was back like when Peru Ooh. imports were still available yeah and uh man it got out and like my dad saw it dude. on the floor it had been out for days. Oh, oh my god! To tell my parents, and uh, my dad saw it on the floor and thought it was a toy and went to go pick it up. Dude, and it moved. Oh, oh my god! god. <laughs> yeah, <dude. laughs> like so, like he yelled, you know, he like yelled at me. I was like, oh man, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. It's like, cool, it's cool. Like, yeah, like so, I learned pretty early on. Oh. Like, dude, I don't have the mindset to keep dangerous, you know, herps <laughs> or dangerous inverts, like. I so oh. often just walk away from cages with doors open. So. I'm stressed See, out if, right now. If I had kids, I think that <laughs> might be the line. Like, I'm cool with a lot of different things, but if you lost a, you know, 10-inch centipede in the house, yeah, uh, nope, nope. Sorry, I literally just had the chills. I li- I'm, like, yeah. looking at my floor very intently right now. Uh, oh. oh, it's going to yeah, be a dude. hard night to sleep. <laughs> I love those Skullapindra, man, but they're, like, they just teleport. They're just like they're so quick. Out of their exhibits, we've I've, yeah, I've yeah, they're they're squirrely little guys. So. <laughs> oh my god! So so you went you had like a, a lot of uh, you kept some invertebrates and stuff when you were younger. Was there anything yeah. that like really just like caught like any specific species that really just caught your attention and like drew you in to to them in particular? Uh, no, I think it was mostly just, like, diversity more than anything else. Um, you know, I was, I was really into, like, collecting insects and, and keeping all kinds of weird insects in, in my room. And, like, honestly, 
uh, I've given this like a, a lot of thought. I think that I'm just fascinated with like husbandry. Yeah. Um, mm. Like my my I come from a family of like agriculture people and farmers and cattle farmers and stuff like that. And I think that like being a suburban kid with access to like a really cool creek and like you know I'd get tons of like plethodon salamanders back there and mm-hmm. um, just all kinds of cool stuff around you know my little suburban house. Um, I think I was just into keeping things like alive and like kind of like kind of like people get like an innate love when they are gardening or when they're keeping house plants. Like that's just my brain is just like obsessed with figuring out the best way to keep these and just really appreciating them, you know, and like having that connection with nature. But then also like maybe an element of farming. Like, is that, you know, yeah. is that in our DNA? You know, like all, you know, <laughs> it, it, there's a line of like doctors is that in their in their dna you know to, to, do to that. want to be to or, or is it just you know you know um confirmation bias or like you know support <laughs> group i don't know but like <laughs> i've i've wondered like why have i for the last 20 years had lugged all over the country like hundreds of snakes and hundreds of tarantulas <laughs> like what am i doing but i i can't imagine a world without it you know yeah. So. yeah i feel that and like when i was younger i would catch uh snakes and stuff i wasn't allowed to keep snakes in my house because my dad's terrified of snakes yeah but when i would catch stuff some of them i would bring back to my house and i had like a big metal wash basin and i would set up a layer of substrate i'd set up hides in there and i'd set up like a little environment for them and my goal when i had them for you know the several hours or, or a day that I had them was to get them to eat. And when I could get stuff to eat, like little pieces of earthworm or, you know, yeah. any little bugs that I could put in there, I was like so ecstatic. The first time I got a ringneck snake to eat while it was like in oh, my care, cool. I was like over the moon. I yeah, was so ecstatic, yeah. man. I was so excited. Yeah, yeah. No, that's like, I totally get it. Like, I remember like the first time I saw dragonfly naiads, the, the, like larval form or yeah. uh, the nymphs that live in the water. Yes. They have like a alien, like a xenomorph, you know, that movie. That alien. look, like yeah. A- yes. Yeah, man. Like I remember being a little kid and seeing one of those eat a little gambusia guppy fish, like a mosquito fish. Yeah. And it blew my mind. Like, <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I just like, yeah, stuff like that. It's just so fascinating. It's just in your backyard, you know? Right. Or, right. Right. There's know? this whole so it's, world it's just, there. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah. So I guess, I had just a diversity of things. I, I grew up with like just my room was always 80 degrees and mm-hmm. I had tons of reptiles and, um, you know, my mom knew that I was super into this. So at 13, she enrolled me at the Louisville zoo in their volunteer program. And I did that until I was 18 until I went off to college and I did that. And I also worked at that exotic pet store down the street from me. I started working there from 14 until I went off to college and, so while That's I was awesome. there, you know, at the pet store, they had like Carucia Zabrata. They had this what? was Damn. late nineties, so yeah. they had like uh, <clears throat> it was when the ball python craze was really turning up, and mm-hmm, so yep. they had like um, you know we had racks of ball pythons. This was like back, before, I mean, this is late nineties. Like for a pet store to have racks of ball pythons, like it was it was pretty cool. They had uh, yeah, yeah for just, sure. Yeah, it was it was it was really fun place to work and and really sharp my teeth on that on like naturalist knowledge and captive mm-hmm. husbandry. So, yeah, so, that's awesome. Yeah. So that place you, you said they had things like um, the, like the prehensile tailed skinks, and those those are a species oh, yeah. that like used to be fairly common in the trade, and now they're like right. super super scarce. 
and and yeah. going from seeing those sort of things and then you know getting to work with stuff in the zoo setting was there like ever a conflict between you know being in the zoo and then working in the the retail or the public side of things or were they like they they're oh you're a kid it's no big deal well yeah and so no there really wasn't a big deal i think like surprise coincidentally uh will bird actually worked at that pet store he's a little bit older than me mm -hmm. he was a zookeeper at the louisville zoo that like really took me under his wing and That's you know cool. fostered like hey this you know nerdy kid is like super into this yeah you know? um and he actually worked at that pet store also so there's no real conflict of interest i think that you know zoos realize sometimes when they are hiring particularly like ectotherm people and aquarist people mm -hmm. some of the best hires are pet store people you know they yeah, may i didn't have true. a degree when I started working at the Omaha Zoo. So I'm gonna like kind of flash forward a little bit here. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I, well, I guess, I, I guess I'll give a quick backstory. Is that cool? Or? Yeah, no, yeah, no, go yeah, for, for it. Sure. Yeah, so I worked at the pet store and the Louisville Zoo until I was 18 and then went off to college at Murray State University, which was in Western Kentucky, mm -hmm. kind of like Bible Belt, small college town. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> It, like I had been working in like I had been working like this job at, at the pet store, um, you know, my uh, like all the time, as many hours as I could. I, I didn't really like authority. And so yeah. when I went <laughs> to this little college, like they wouldn't let me drive my car on campus. And, you know, I was just I was this entitled little kid. I was an entitled <laughs> kid that like hadn't really had a parent. Like I did whatever I wanted. Now, like, who is this college that I'm telling you? Telling me? Right. Yeah. So like. So actually, I had been dating a girl for a while, uh, not long enough to say, hey, like, let's, we, let's get out of here. Like, let's get married. Yeah. The only way we can actually uh, get off campus, live off campus, and keep reptiles and stuff, and she mm -hmm. wanted her dog, was to get married. Oh, and we're man. like, let's just, let's just do it. So we didn't even, like, tell her parents. We just eloped. We went to the Oof. courthouse. And like eighteen <laughs> years later, man, I'm still living with her. Like she's still my wife. Hell, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, man, it worked out really well. She's not an animal person, but she's definitely like a logistics email. She, usually, when you email Hardenhook Logica, like you're talking to Shar, uh, you know, I'm dictating things to her. But yeah. So so anyway, I, I don't mean to keep going on these side tangents. No, man, uh, no, that's cool. It man. is all cool. So you were basically you just moved out and you were you had picked up a couple different animals to get kind of back into keeping yeah yeah um started building the collection back up and then knew that i wanted to work in the zoo field started applying to zoo you know zookeeper jobs all over the country and got an interview with uh omaha's henry dorley zoo in nebraska mm -hmm. and so my wife and i drove you know out west furthest west we had ever been at uh <laughs> 18 19 years old wow. and like you know, I, I guess I didn't know what to expect. Like Omaha is just kind of like I don't know. Like here I am, this Kentucky kid. It's like Omaha. What's out in Nebraska? They're gonna have like, you know, like Flat. goats or something. Like I had no idea yeah. what to expect. <laughs> Dude, this zoo is like it's the it's constantly or uh, consistently voted like one of the top five zoos in the world. Like it's wow. unreal. Like if anyone is listening is ever traveling through Omaha or anything, like stop at the zoo. Like the Herp collection, they have like. They can rattle off like they have the largest indoor desert and the largest nocturnal exhibit and they have just so much omaha has just so much money and there's so many donors and there's like mm. you know warren buffett is from there and stuff like that so that's so I cool think man. it's just really cold there a lot so people really like the zoo is like their lifeline mm -hmm. and it was just yeah so uh started there at like yeah 19 so that's man awesome that's a, that is awesome 
Yeah, it was a it's a great job. I worked there for ten years. Um, but I mean, I don't mean to derail. Uh, if you had, you know, no. I can just start talking about zoo stuff. But like, no, it's I'm all cool good, that. man. Yeah, I'm cool with that. I want. Okay. I I don't have any experience working at zoos, so I mean, it's always cur- I, I'm always interested in hearing what it's like, you know, behind the scenes and, and that sort of stuff. For sure. So I started the Omaha Zoo in like 2005. And I was, I was a I was a young guy, mm-hmm. um, and it, it was it was like you know one of the best jobs you could ever have all through your 20s. And like <laughs> definitely, if you can make things work, uh, I would love to still work at the zoo. But like, I mean, that's like one of the big things is the zoos usually don't pay that well yeah. because it's like such yeah. a high demand job. You know, like every college kid wants to come out and immediately do a zoo thing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so even at, you know, almost 10 years in at the zoo, um, I was like, you know, out of 250 employees, one of the longest person there. And that's such a shame because, um, you know, zoos really like hemorrhage that uh, institutional knowledge. But now, like when I was leaving the zoo, um, a lot more like the new director was coming in and really bringing in a lot more money and like really trying to keep people around and, like zoos today are, are like light years ahead of what they were even like, you know, a decade or two ago, like mm-hmm. as far as conservation and treating their keepers very well. Like uh, it's a really good time now. Uh, I mean, unless I guess you're working for Joe Exotic. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. I feel like everybody's had to make a, a Tiger King reference. Huh? Yeah. Did you, did you yeah, catch sorry. the beginning yeah. of the Scott Borden interview? <laughs> uh. I know, I heard him say it. I was like, damn it, that was my material. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, I think Rob and I have said the phrase, that bitch, Carol, Carol Baskins, Carol probably Baskins. a thousand times since we've watched uh, it. A couple times. Well, I'm sure you uh, you guys saw Tom Crutchfield and everybody oh. in that first scene. I've been in that trailer. You Me know? too. Like, we yeah. were just down there a month ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I was like, I, I saw that. I was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. That's Tom. And then I was like, Oh my God, we're about to watch a show about like, like I was like, this is all gonna be reptile crazy people. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I was like, oh no. Yeah, I was about to like take out take out a notebook and start naming all the people I recognize. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Oh, it's so pumped. It was uh, yeah, great, great documentary. But anyway, uh, (laughs) yeah. So, Zoo World, it was it was great. Um, I started in the started with as a reptile keeper, part time mammal. And so the large the zoo is divided by like uh, habitat and zoogeographical regions and exhibits. Yeah. Mm. So instead of like um, you know the the bear house or, or whatever, they really wanted to do more of like uh, eco uh, like geography. Yeah. So it'd be like the South America. Yeah. yeah. Precisely. So yeah. I worked in the desert dome, which was it was underneath the largest geodesic dome. So it's like this giant you know, a uh, snow globe over top of a huge desert. It was, it was awesome, man. And uh, cool. you walk in three different desert biotypes. So you have Namibia from South Africa or in South Africa, Southern Africa. And then uh, you, you wind into Australia, the red center desert of Australia. And then you wind into the Sonoran desert here in the United States and into Mexico. That's so cool. And like, I mean, the herb diversity there, man, like, we had, yeah. you know, in Namibia, we had uh, uh, Cape Cobras, uh, Naja Nivea, Spitalops, yes. those little uh, coral cobras, the Bibron snakes, like uh, puff adders, like just and like phenomenal specimens too. And That's we get to tail those guys out. Australia had uh, 
taipan so like the taipans were real fun to work oh, um, yeah and then into sonora you have i think they have the largest uh rattlesnake exhibit in the united states also man. and it's like this huge walk-in exhibit man and it's full of rattlesnakes and so you have to like have a keeper stand on the outside and like point them out to you and like you have to count them and you know they're all microchips so you have to like every time you feed them you have to uh microchip and pull them it, it was mm-hmm. yeah some well, Very you sold me. Animals. I need to visit because yeah, they yeah. got that many Seriously. rattlesnakes. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, it was it was great. And then around, let's see, I spent a few years doing reptile crew and mammal crew. We had a, a giant nocturnal exhibit, so I worked with all kinds of nocturnal herps. Well, uh, as we know, most herps are nocturnal. This exhibit was underneath the desert dome. It was in the basement, and it's on a reverse light cycle. That's so, like, awesome. at our nighttime, all their lights are on. So the guests during the day are walking around and all these animals have black lights and red lights. Oh, that's so, so uh, cool. That's yeah, badass. it was really neat. So like they had Madagascar Fusa there that I worked oh. with. Those are like those giant weasels that yes. are that eat lemurs. Like just awesome stuff. Tons of bats, like big fruit bats that you get to work with. That's incredible. Some alligators. It was uh, fascinating. They had these alligators in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, <laughs> and like we had twelve of them. And we were one of the first zoos to really like uh, delve into training back in like 2000, early 2000s. Mm. And so like we were the first, one of the first zoos to show that like these alligators would know their names. They yeah. come up on command. Like you guys have seen that. I think you guys went to Gatorland, some cool yep. alligator yeah. places down in Florida. Yep. But like for you know to see that, I guess in in complete in situ or uh, you know in captivity in a basement where these animals are, you know underground almost their entire lives mm-hmm. like it was it was neat to see that it was neat to see that they would still go through breeding cycles even though they didn't see the sunlight because they're in this Reverse, huge yeah. indoor swamp with like fluorescent light you know all the uh proper husbandry and everything of course but like yeah. right, they would right, still right. go into um the females would still you know go on estrus or whatever it is for reptiles and the males would still bellow in the spring you know like even though they were underground they knew when it was breeding season like they're so linked to that cycle it was it was yeah. just it's fascinating to see all of this uh, natural behaviors. That's so that cool. really um, is awesome, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, and I guess around 2008. So I I worked with reptiles and amphibians for a while. 2008, uh, we decided to open a butterfly and insect pavilion, and so like I knew I was like, I guys already have like hundreds of spiders at home. You yes. Know? Like, <laughs> I've got them a shoe in to work in this place. So, <laughs> I was the, the lead entomologist from 2008 until like 2014 or 15. And um, yeah, it was a giant free flight butterfly exhibit. We did uh, lots of tarantulas. We had like 50 exhibits of tarantulas and all kinds of, like that's the coolest thing is, as you guys, I should say, I'll, I'll segue a little bit ahead i now work for the united states department of agriculture as an entomologist yeah and so that's kind of when i was um working for the butterfly and insect pavilion we were able to work with all of these quarantine significant insects like these insects that could be deemed pests yeah Mm -hmm. so rob as you might know and uh a lot of the really cool invertebrates are actually illegal because you know the united states our natural resources agriculture and forestry and like it's a trillion dollar entity, you know, mm-hmm. like an enterprise. So like we can't really risk that for weirdos that want to keep spiders, like want to keep beetles and stuff like me. <laughs> and giant you know? land like, snails and stuff. And, uh, pr- precisely. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw 
giant land snails in the wild uh, in Hawaii last year, and I was just eating out so hard. Like, they're monsters. They're like, so cool. Yeah, so it, it was eating a cigarette butt. What? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, no wonder these things are, like, pests. Like, in South Florida, they've been introduced, and the Department of Agriculture has actually been trying to eradicate these things because they'll just eat anything, and they get Everything. football size. They'll Ooh. literally eat the stucco, stucco off right the off the houses. Walls. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And, and like, in some neighborhoods, they're so infested. And I think we've pretty much eradicated them. It's been a big program. But during the heat of the infestation, like, in some neighborhoods, you could just straight up smell. It smelled like snails. Wow. Like, there's so <laughs> many of them. The neighbor, the air outside just smelled like African <laughs> land snail. Like, yeah, so... Um, so you that smell was that opportunity to work with all Snail. these crazy bugs. Yeah, that's so, awesome. So yeah, I did that for quite a while and traveled. I was able to do a lot of international travel and conservation work and work with a lot of endangered invertebrates. And I did a lot of an, an amphibian conservation work with amphibians that I was able to cross over my love of amphibians with my love of invertebrates because um, amphibians eat invertebrates. Yeah, so, that's true. <laughs> so that's very like, true. I went to Panama. They have a amphibian rescue center in Panama. Uh, it's run by the Smithsonian Tropical Research Institute. And I think at the time it was run by, ooh, I think, Houston Zoo. Um, mm. And they were basically collecting – this is uh, – amphibians are kind of in, in, imperiled right now. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a risk of two-thirds of all amphibians or even more going extinct – like very soon, like, you know, within just a few decades and for an entire, you know, uh, clade of organisms to die. Like that's like, that's like dinosaur level stuff, you yeah. know, like, yeah, that's crazy. All because of habitat change and global climate change. And, but also this invasive, uh, uh, fungus that's mobile called chytrid fungus. I'm sure you guys mm -hmm. are familiar. Yep. So, yep. so the zoo was really got like heavy into amphibian conservation. And, um, we got a lot of, uh, uh, endowments and grants and like we send keepers you know to other countries to like learn like learn about these animals in other countries and help collect them in other countries for zoos in those countries and uh, you know bring them into captivity so there's an assurance population in captivity because these things are just going extinct like yeah. I mean they're just like this fungus yeah. is just marching across the fourth floor so uh, so yeah, so I got to do a lot with amphibian conservation in Panama and Honduras, and um, but yeah, so. So we can't talk about amphibians without talking about giant salamanders because, oh, yeah. dude, I geeked <laughs> yeah. out. I was yeah, I was man. freaking out. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was quite the experience, uh, and it's like that's one of those bucket list things. I've got like a handful of things. Yeah, I mean, I've got an infinite number of bucket lists. Right? Like, <laughs> it's like oh, I'll just add that to the bucket list. I'll but the amphibian bucket list. bucket list. Yeah, yeah. So uh, last, actually, like last November, um, we traveled to Japan and Korea. Uh, my wife and brother-in-law and I, and we have some family in Korea, so we were able to see some family and then spent some time uh, about a week in Japan. Uh, and to take a step back, like the Japanese giant salamander is probably one of my favorite animals. I mean, these things mm -hmm. are just these ancient, you know, giant salamanders that are fully aquatic. They can get almost a hundred pounds. I think like some Chinese species, but yes. to be honest, can get That's that big. Amazing. Like they're just monsters. Man. They're, they're so just cool. monsters. They're 
they're very similar to our hellbenders here yep. in the United States, mm -hmm. their crypto brand today, uh, but they're just huge. And yes. so uh, when I worked at the Omaha Zoo in the uh, nocturnal exhibit, we actually had a giant salamander on exhibit. His name was Little Sumio. And so like the water was freezing freaking cold and like <laughs> he was my animal and i'd jump in the water with him and like you know hand feed him trout like yes, that's awesome awesome you know he got up to uh 70 pounds and 50 inches when Holy i was moly. yeah man so like a four foot salamander is pretty cool dude that's, that's a, amazing that's a, that's a monitor lizard yes like <laughs> <laughs> just a lot slower and dumber you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um so his name was little sumio named after one of the uh world researchers on japanese giant salamander dr sumio okada dr sumio okada had like uh come out to uh come to the united states and done a lot of presentations and he helped facilitate us bringing in these japanese giant salamanders and so i knew i kind of had a connection and like unfortunately um the Japanese government does not fund uh, research on on like wildlife. Or yeah. I'm sure, have that slightly off, but they don't have like a fish and wildlife where they can like really put a lot of uh, money towards con like conservation and bio biology. You know, mm. and I'm hesitating saying this. This was what they were telling me while I was in Japan. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I was able to. Dr. Sumio actually like he he leads tours. And he's like, look. He monitors a, the largest population of Japanese giant salamanders. He's been doing it for years, like I think over a decade or two. And wow. he's radio tracked, radio tagged them all, uh, microchipped them all. So he has them all named. There's over 700 in these waterways and these rivers and these streams and oh stuff. Wow. And so God. he already goes out regularly and co like collects them to measure them and weigh them and get biometric data. And, See which ones he hasn't seen for a while you know like he, he goes out there basically herping for giant salamanders so like that's cool that's he'll bring <laughs> people along like yeah enthusiastic people so it was such a great experience we took a we flew into osaka japan and then took a bullet train out east um just on the other side of hiroshima it's uh this little city called michinan and it's basically like uh this little country picturesque like Japanese, you know, countryside, like it's a kind of a mountain, you know, it's just, yeah. it was so crazy. And the craziest thing is, is Japan, like the uh, population is really pyramiding. So this like small town out in the country, like the population was really, uh, it was an elderly population. So many people are moving into the city, like Tokyo is like one of the densest places in the world. Mm -hmm. So there's like tons of houses that are just empty in this, like, you know, and it's like beautiful, like, it's just, you know, the mean population there, I think the mean age population there is like 80 or something like wow, that. It's wow. crazy. So it's just like there's no one out there in these, you know, country villages and up in the mountains and stuff. It's, it's just you wouldn't think that in Japan. You know, I assume yeah, there's yeah. going to be, you know, uh, kind of more like this, like suburban, like the United States. But it mm. wasn't. And uh, so, yeah, we, we went out and uh, met up with the guy that leads the tours uh, with Dr. Okada. Uh, his name's Richard Pierce. And if anybody's interested, you can check out their website, BushidoJapan.com, or just Google, you know, Giant Salamander, Japanese Giant Salamander Tour or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I got to have dinner with them. Like, because the population is uh, so pyramiding, the wild boars are becoming, like, a real problem in the city. And, like, oh, so man. these giant wild boars are, like, 
running amok. They're like raccoons here, you know? <laughs> wow. So they, so we had dinner of wild boar. Yes. Uh, hot stew with like, yeah, mushrooms and stuff like, like wild collected mushrooms. And, um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And then we went out herping, you know, and, uh, found, yeah. Like, so we walked in this stream, like, I mean, like a backyard stream, man, this thing, this, the water at the deepest was maybe knee deep. And it was oh, wow. my wife, my brother-in-law, myself, and then a photographer and the doctor and, and Richard. And like, uh, we walked and walked and walked. It was night. We were all wearing chest waders, you know, in this shallow, you know, road size, street size stream. And then, uh, like, I was kind of getting nervous. Cause I was like, man, I, if I traveled around the world to see this one thing, you know, we've been walking for like an hour. I was like, I'm going to, I might be real upset, you know, because <laughs> we got to catch a train like tomorrow morning, you know, to get out of this city, go back to Tokyo. So, right. And then finally, like, uh, you know, my light landed on one and we've all had that moment like, oh, there it is. Yeah, 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 for sure. Whipped into the stream and fell in the water. It was like the greatest experience. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was the first one we found. He had not seen it for two years. Wow. So wow. Like, yeah. So he's like, oh, this is, you know, this one, he, we get, we caught him up. I, I'm not allowed to touch them because uh, they're revered in Japan. And yeah. So, you know, I was able to kind of help, you know, take notes and all that stuff. But it was just great to be around it, you know. And <sighs> That's we awesome. We found three dude. that night. Just I think to the see biggest it. one we found was, oh, yeah, yeah. I think the biggest one we found was like 10 ish pounds, something like that, if I remember. Wow. 12 pounds. 10 pound salamander, <laughs> though. Yeah, 10 yeah, pound yeah. salamander. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sheesh. That is so freaking cool. And I'm sure you guys also know Japan is known for their beetle culture. Like yes. they are really into keeping beetles. So mm-hmm. like I got to go to like beetle pet stores. Like that was always a dream come true is like go into a place where you can buy beetle larvae. Like it's huge there. Like That's uh, crazy. they had a store, Global Insect, and all they sold, like the entire store that was just beetles. Like it was just larvae, it was just rearing material. It's a really nice high-end store too, and like Damn. stag beetles, goliath beetles, <sighs> fungus cultures to feed to your beetles. Yes. It was just so neat. Yeah, it Dude. was just uh, geeking out. It's just not something you can see here, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. See, when I was telling Jeremy about doing this interview, I was like, I need to ask about that beetle store because it looks like <laughs> the coolest thing ever. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it was. Yeah, it's like, oh man, they have like. Those giant European stag beetles. Oh, the elephants! I love them. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, oh, awesome. elephant beetles! Like just so many cool things. So like, yeah, I dragged my brother-in-law and wife there, and like they were, <laughs> and they were. It was you know like going to your first reptile show with your parents. You know. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, can we go now? You're like, but look at this thing. <laughs> I know it was great. It was such. It was such a great experience. So. <sighs> But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, Japan and Korea was great. The year before that, I went to Vietnam and Cambodia. Um, you know, just – that was that was that was an amazing trip, too. Lots of herps there. and um, But, you know, just the countryside, too, and just seeing that. Like, I'm finally to the age, and luckily don't have kids. So, like – Right? Yeah, it was exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. So you get a lot more freedoms with that. Yeah. You know? So what was, like, one of the coolest things that you found out there uh, when you went on your second – your other trip? Oh, uh, let's see. Um, so, yeah, as much as I loved uh, Japan and Korea, um, I didn't get as much wildlife stuff as I would have wanted. You know, I, you know, 
two weeks. We got to spend four or five days out on the countryside, like I said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw some cool other stuff, four-line rat snakes and stuff. But cool. Uh, cool. Vietnam and Cambodia was almost all wild. And, like, I think my poor wife got dengue fever while we were oh, there. Oh, man. Like, yeah, we were, like, renting scooters and, like, road cruising at night. And, like, oh, it was just such experience. Like, um, Cambodia is, like, probably one of my favorite countries. I mean, it's just there's a ton of wildlife there. And that's the country that has the the huge temples, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. like the Angkor Wat, the Angkor Wat temples and all that stuff, and just like seeing that, like I, I kind of geek out about history and archaeology and stuff like that, ancient civilization stuff, and it's just like holy crap! At one time, this was the most populous place in the world, you know, and mm-hmm. now it's like just rubbles and like crazy carvings and geckos running everywhere. <laughs> Vietnam, we did like we didn't discover, but we like found uh, an old bunker like uh where, you know, during the war, like this was on an island in on the coast. They uh on it's called Catfall Island. It was just full uh, it's like a limestoneish type island and it's just full of these tunnels and stuff. And so like we found this hatch out in the middle of the jungle uh herping and we're like, oh, let's just jump down in this. Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, we jump down in this, like, hatch. And, like, yeah, it's, like, this five-foot – I'm a tall dude. It's, like, this five-foot tall, like, uh, like hallways and rooms and, like, side corridors. And it was, like, pitch black, you know. It's been there forever uh, mm-hmm. or been there for decades, I'm sure. But more geckos than I've ever seen. Like, Jeez. I've never seen, like, communal mass nesting of geckos. And I – I think they were like gecko, gecko, like tokay geckos and That's stuff. Like they were like house awesome. geckos, and like the, there was like this huge like wall of just like eggs where they had laid thousands of eggs on top of eggs on top of eggs. Like, That's just incredible. seeing that stuff like in an old bunker, you know. It's just like <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, what a world! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! And then for for people who've like worked with tokay geckos in captivity, that just sounds like a, a horror movie to me. It's like you go down there, all of a sudden you hear. <laughs> And you just look down the hallway, you're like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Dude, could I you mean, imagine like a chorus of that? Just like a literally bunch of them. hundreds of geckos <laughs> just calling at the same time. I might shit myself <laughs> if I heard that like times a hundred. Just all those little mouse traps. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like exactly. Saw, do you want to play a game? Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Oh my god. That is awesome that's so incredible and then like have you done have you gone to south america i think you did some research in south america right yeah uh so i've only been to south america once i mm-hmm. went to Colombia yeah. uh, for a couple weeks and that was just kind of a, a fun uh trip with the family and friends um so we went to cartagena and uh didn't see a whole lot of herps there but saw pumpkin patch tarantula that's what i was gonna ask um, you about <laughs> yeah i mean they're communal that's like, exactly what i was a, gonna bring up yeah like, that's amazing I, at least i think but like i was we were like flipping you know uh coconut uh palm leaves mm-hmm. yeah and um there was just tons of them in there like tons of tunnels and they were all crisscrossed and like it was just it was a really neat experience so we had to be like real careful peeling things up to look at all these tarantula, like all these pumpkin patch and they were adults. So yeah. I guess like maybe an egg sack hatch there. I mean, whatever, you know. A family no. group or something. Yeah, just so neat to see that. So neat to see cool bugs. I've done a lot of work in Central America. So uh, Panama, I went to the Panama Amphibian uh, Rescue Center. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had kind of mentioned that earlier. I helped go down there to set up some insect colonies. 
because they were buying their uh, feeder insects and like field collecting their feeder insects. And we were so concerned about kitchid, uh, kitchid, uh, we're like, you know, maybe we should try and breed insects in hell. So I went yeah. down there and yep. brought like, you know, to set up insect colonies. And um, unfortunately, we couldn't, you know, take insects with us. So we were trying to collect insects to see if we could rear them in house. And mm-hmm. um, I think it was pretty successful. We we were able to start collecting, start doing like columbola, the springtails. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I repeated that project uh, in Honduras. There's the Honduras Amphibian Rescue Center. And I went there in 2017 and uh, spent a week seeing the natural habitat, a lot of these endangered amphibians uh, up in the mountains of Kasuko National Forest. So it's like outside of the main city of Honduras, San Pedro Sula, you take this truck and you just drive straight up a rainforest mountain for like <laughs> like hours, man. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so it's like high elevation, like like lots of cool vipers and stuff like that. It's like That's it's like cool. cold at night, you know. The first night I was like, this is the tropics. I don't, you know, I, I home a hammock and I, I wasn't indoors for like seven days. We were out in the rainforest for seven days. I hung my hammock up, and uh, it gets cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh man, I had to make like a like a chimpanzee style nest of like all my dirty clothes and like, <laughs> like backpacks, just whatever I could pile on top of me in my in my hammock to yeah. stay warm. Um, so, so yeah, that that was a blast. Um, and then we spent the next week at the site where they're actually, if you guys have ever seen, like they take uh, shipping containers mm-hmm. and um, retrofit shipping containers into laboratories mobile laboratories yeah yeah so oh that's awesome they like retrofitted like some 40 foot shipping refrigerated shipping containers at the omaha zoo and i was able to help you know like we put the racks in there and and 10 gallon tanks and ran electricity through it and uh my good friend brandon greaves did a lot of that work and then they shipped them down there to honduras two of them and so that's awesome um, yeah so like yeah we wanted to breed you know invertebrates to feed to the assurance colonies of the amphibians and working on like permitting now because they want to get local people to work there and like foster that relationship with these endangered amphibians that's um, awesome so i think that's like the process and then they're going to start collecting these great i mean like some of these some of these frogs that i was seeing i was like how are these not petrade you know they're endemic to this one mountaintop and it's like they're the coolest they're like twice the size of australian dumpy tree frogs with oh, like thumb wow frog they're beautiful it's just like oh my god like we can't let this thing go extinct you know like yeah there's maybe hundreds left you know like wow. who knows you know yeah so um but yeah so so honduras was honduras was so fun so yeah and then spent a week at a uh, low elevation at their at the site and kind of setting up insects colonies and doing a lot of herping around there found um cat-eyed snakes and stuff like that that's so, cool mm. That's really that's super cool. cool. Uh, okay, so I I have to I have to try to test to see if if the adage is true. It's a small world after all. Yes, because you're into the amphibian scene. Do you do you know Mark Mandika at all? Yeah, yeah. So uh-huh. I met Mark Mandika. <laughs> um, I'm very familiar with him in the Amphibian Foundation. Yep. Um, and like Tuffy the Frog, and mm-hmm. uh, so I, I yeah. So I I don't know him, but I'm very familiar with him. That's cool. I um I work a little bit with uh, the University of Massachusetts in their uh, Digital Life 3D project. So I was working with um, Professor Urshik uh, up there 
and that was like right when they really were getting into doing all the 3D models of different amphibians um, and all that stuff. And, and uh, Duncan had introduced me to, to Mark um, a little bit, and I, I was talking with him for a little while. And, uh, and then we started nerding out about music because he's also a bass player. So he was oh. like, yeah, you got to come down and like we'll jam and like play with frogs. And I'm like, I'm down with that. 100%. <laughs> That sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's doing some cool stuff. So yeah, um, no, no, yeah. The only amphibians I have now are uh, as Rob mentioned those Kaiser Nukes. You guys seen mm-hmm. those before? The Iranians. Oh so uh, yeah, they're just so awesome, and they're so easy to keep, man. Like they're just they're fully aquatic, and they just you know like you can just basically ignore them. <laughs> like they just <laughs> thrive on neglect. Like I just love it. So yeah, I mean I've got a really I mean, I think with most animals, as you guys know, if you set them up right and really know about their behavior and know what they want, and once you set up like a perfect balanced ecosystem, even in a terrarium, like it doesn't need a lot of tweaking, you know? Yep. And like, yeah. yeah, I mean, if it's humming right, it's like, it's good. And then all of a sudden I'll have like a snail outbreak or algae bloom. And it's like, yeah. oh, shit, I gotta, gotta, I gotta do, do something. Some, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Those are so cool, man. And so what, what sort of um, arachnids do you keep now? Um, not a whole lot. I'm, you know, I've, I go back and forth. So uh, arachnid-wise, I've got some Gramostola. I've got some Brachypelma. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a bunch of Pacillifaria. I have – so they've, they've listed the Pacillifaria, uh, quite a few species on the Endangered Species Act, yep. as you guys know. Mm-hmm. So I had some Ornata. I have two Ornata – a mother, she's probably one of the oldest animals I have in my collection. I think she's like 15. Wow, and then her wow. daughter, I produced egg sacs last year, and I had about 200 Pacilferia ornata. And, like, because they're on the Endangered Species Act, I took them to Daytona, and, like, Johnny Appleseed just handed them out to everyone. Yes. Really for free. Because you could gift tarantula, you can gift endangered you species. Them. So. Yeah. You, precisely so it's like I, I don't like i just want to share the love and like share the genetic diversity of this awesome spider that unfortunately might be regulated into extinction you know yes, like we yeah. need to just get these out here and just like get enthusiasts you know um yeah so anyone that was interested or any like kids that were super you know kids that reminded me of me i was like here take some you know take some weird spiders so <laughs> be careful <laughs> yeah be careful with them so, yeah be careful yeah 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 but um uh yeah so I've got uh, a rack of, of tarantulas here, but I, I need to get back into it. You know, it, it, it ebbs and flows. I'll get yeah. into tons of, you know, rainbow boas and then get into this and then get into frogs, you know, over the years. So yeah. I'm starting to ramp the, the tarantula collection kind of back up again. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's that's pretty much how, how I've been. I got super into, like, true spiders for a little while but they've got such a oh, short cool. lifespan so it's like a year and a half or two years for some of the species i was keeping so i was like man these things are growing so quick and then all of a sudden like you know a year and a half goes by and they all start dying and i'm like no but i love these things they're so <laughs> cool yeah what are, you, what are you keeping like heteropoda and like weird huntsmen yep. and stuff yep exactly man those things scare the hell out. those are like scolopendra but like not as leggy man <laughs> yeah. So cool. yeah we got some like weird african ones when i was working at the omaha zoo and i was feeding them and i had them in you know deli or not deli cups but like sterilite boxes and yeah so mm-hmm. i had a, cr- a bag of crickets and i had like a hundred of these weird red and green heteropoda i don't even know if they were in that genus but they yeah. were just those giant you know like uh, uh 
um, huntsman spiders. Yeah. They're beautiful. But, like, I opened one of the lids, man, and the Zoom. thing, like, lunged at me like face hugger, you know? Like, yep. Like, <laughs> like I, I, I'm an entomologist, so I make a lot of, like, insect alien references. That's this thing, amazing. like, jumped at me like a face hugger, like, at my face. I, like, screamed, and I, like, waved the cricket bag in front of my face. Like, I was like, oh, I, like, fell backwards, fell on my ass. And, like, I, I was, I, like, froze, man. I knew I was going to feel this thing, like, running up my face or something. And I just, like, froze my eyes shut like oh god oh god and like nothing 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 and so like i felt the cricket bag was like moving harder dude i when i waved the cricket bag i accidentally netted him into the cricket bag and he's like pushing trying to get out i was like oh god these are like these need to be like two keeper rules (laughs) oh jeez you need to be careful with these things they're so cool they're they're super super fast though like some of those species i thought that like Pocotheri were fast and like some of the other tarantulas i've worked with i thought those are fast and then after I got some of the Holconia and Cygnus, the um, giant, the Australian huntsmen's, oh, those yeah, things, those, huh? those are fast, man. Cool. They they make tarantulas look like they're moving in slow motion with how quick Oof. they can move. That's awesome. So I'm going to stick to retics, guys. Big, slow-moving <laughs> oh, things I can see very yeah, easily. I don't, I don't know, man. Retics scare the crap out of me. <laughs> But uh, is that are those Heliconia or Helconia insignias? Are those the ones that are like super communal? You can keep like big family groups. No, those, those like Australian huntsmen. Yeah, those ones are. Um, I actually have that species tattooed on me too. Um, uh, oh, cool, I can't cool. even think of the name of it. The ones they use in arachnophobia. Um, oh yeah, yeah. They're called a – oh, my goodness. I'm totally blanking on this right Don't now. look at me, dude. I can't help you out on it. <laughs> it's it's oh, a different – I didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, it's – Yeah, it's the communal the... – are those in the tra- – are those in the United States? No, no. They're called okay. Avondale spiders is one of their common names. Um, okay. And they – Delana cancerites. Those, are, those ones, they're a little bit smaller. Um, those are communal, and you can find those in, like, big groups. It's so weird. Yeah. They're like – a huntsman spider you think is like a nomadic spider and it's not going to want to hang out with other nomadic spiders but yeah. that those ones the those ones will be communal but the holconia are individual species they're, they're kind of okay. nomadic and so but man okay. they grow so fast and they are just moving they're incredibly quick like i yeah. i it's so cool like i used to be a little bit weary of them and then i got some and i was like these things are like Four and a half inch leg span, giant huntsman spider. This is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I like the I I really like uh, true spiders, and I haven't kept them at home, but we kept a lot of cool true spiders at the zoo. Yeah. Um, we did a lot of the weird nephila, the giant uh, uh, web spinning spiders. Yes. So yes. we have the clavipes. Um, I don't think it's in that genus anymore. We have the banana spider down in South Florida. Yep. Mm-hmm. But this genus of spider is like one of the widest spread genera in the world because the spiderlings, as you know, like they balloon. And so they have just populated Everywhere. the tropics all around the world. Mm-hmm. And like, they're all different. So we had a uh, Madagascar ones, and you guys might have seen the gold thread orb weaver from Madagascar. They actually uh, wove like a blanket out of their, out of their silk in Madagascar. It's like this golden fleece, yes. basically That's made crazy. from, yeah, spider silk. Um, but yeah, so we had those and we had, uh, all kinds of saltistids, the little jumping spiders. Those are so damn cute. I wish they were bigger, you know? Yes. Yeah. If jumping spiders were like two and a half or three inches, I'd be all about them. But the fact that they're oh, like man. half inch, I'm like, ah. 
Yeah, I'm gonna lose you. They're so cool. They're so smart, man. Yes. You know, they can like they'll target out like they've even figured out that they'll target mosquitoes that have had blood meals. Yep. Like they'll if you put them in a chamber with like a bunch of mosquitoes, they'll look at the one like, Oh, that one's got a bunch of blood in it. Like that's a gusher and they'll pop up and grab that one, you know? That's crazy. Yeah, they're just so smart. Like that's that I think like you know, keeping animals in captivity, observing you being it's it's an honor to like observe these these behaviors and enriching these animals and seeing that stuff. It's a, that's what I really geek out about. A hundred percent. Sure. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, and I, so I'm standing in my basement right now looking at my monocentropus Balfouri. Yes, Balfouri. 25 in a, Communal in a terrarium. Yes. Yeah. I, I've been pulling mature males out crazy, like crazy. I've got three mature males. Do you know anyone that needs mature males? I mean, I might need a mature male. I got, yeah. <laughs> we got a mature female at the shop who's like, we've had okay. her for a long time. But yeah, well, uh, yeah, like um, I, I'm pulling more males out every day. So if you're interested, shoot me a message and I'll I'll send it up to you. Sweet, so, yeah, definitely. Awesome. Yeah, that's definitely something I'd be interested in because I ever since I saw the first uh, pictures of people doing communal groups with Balfour, I was like, oh, that's yeah. so cool! Like, how can you not want that? It's just like they make this giant webs and they've got all these tunnels and they like you know interact with one another. It's it's so cool. Yeah. It's unreal. Like, so I had a female, and I mean, like, Jeremy, these things are, you know, big baboon tarantulas that have tacky abdomens and bright blue cephalothorax, like bright blue heads and legs. That's awesome. And I had a female with an egg sac. She produced, like, a couple dozen eggs, and I threw her an exotel, or a, uh, a Zilla uh, front open habitat, mm-hmm. and uh, did a bunch of, like, that excavator clay and stuff. And now, two years later, like, th- like I'm pulling mature males out. There's still, like, dozens in this terrarium. Um, it was so neat because, like, the mom will run out and grab a bunch of prey items, and then the little babies will come out. Like, the spiderlings will come out and climb all over and climb into mm-hmm. her fangs and, like, eat on the food that she's eating. Like, the That's bola, crazy. The, Rob's like, showing me some cool photos way. right now. That That's an amazing-looking animal. Yeah, they're they're neat, man. You should you should get into bugs. <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe one day. Retics, those retics, man. Get <laughs> just think about how many those tarantulas. Blood pumping. Yeah. yeah, just think Oof. about how many tarantulas you can keep in the space that you keep one retic. You keep like... Don't don't do that to me. You know I have an addictive personality when it comes to that kind of shit. <laughs> oh, it's awful. It's awful. But but yeah, so uh, yeah, it's been. Now I'm uh, with. With USDA, I bounced around um, in the federal government, done a lot of invasive species work. Um, so let's see, I left the zoo and uh, moved down to Sarasota, Florida to work at the sterile insect release facility. Mm. And like the, this stuff is like so neat to me too, is like um, these real novel ideas to either keep animals alive or figure out how to eradicate animals that are bad you know like mm-hmm. there's this like yin and yang and so like what there's this horrible horrible pest uh called the mediterranean fruit fly it's like one of the worst uh uh pests in the world like they have a huge host range of these big like gross painted well they're not gross i think they're really pretty but they're <laughs> painted wing flies you know thumbnail size mm-hmm. and they'll lay their eggs in anything like any citrus fruit any fruit any like any vegetable any pepper anything and like we got infected with them in like Florida in the early 1900s and they had to cancel school and make school children grow out, go out and like put paper bags over every orange in groves to try and wipe out this fly. I mean, there's like, yeah, it's this, it's this 
horrible pest. And so we wiped it out, you know, I think in the, in the mid-1900s. But we're so paranoid that it's going to come back. And it does occasionally come back in the United States. And so we'll, like, pinpoint where they'll come back. Um, and, like, the population will explode. And so we have to go out there. One of the main ways we combat this fly is with uh, integrated pest management by releasing sterilized males out of airplanes. And so mm. if you have enough sterile males to outcompete a fertile male, since the fly only breeds once, you have 10 sterile males and one fertile male. Eventually, if you just keep doing it, you you run your population out. Like you breed them out. That's of interesting. Because insects, you know, want, you break that cycle once and it's over. Yeah. And so, like, you know, occasionally they'll pop up in Florida, occasionally they'll pop up in California, usually from people smuggling fruits and vegetables back from other countries. Yeah. So, yeah. all listeners, please don't bring your fruits and vegetables back because <laughs> uh, they might harbor some hitchhikers. Um, and then it costs a lot of money to get rid of these things, and we don't want to, <laughs> like, spray pesticides or anything like that. We want to try to figure out ways to combat these horrible pests without you know hurting the ecosystem or hurting right. agriculture or anything like that so uh yeah so i we released hundreds of pounds of flies i mean that's like millions of flies 10 million flies a day Ooh. out of airplanes wow. um yeah to come in florida so did that for a while and then i worked you know there to make sure the fly doesn't get a foothold in the united states you have to have a century program so you have to hang traps pheromone traps and so like usda i mean like for a naturalist and for a field herper or something like that like you're that position you're just constantly looking for invasive insects and like you're out in the forest and you know hanging beetle traps you know wood boring beetle traps and fly traps and like you know getting to see cool snakes and stuff like that like it was <laughs> such a great experience yeah we had sure. a big issue in new england uh, maybe 10 years ago now with asian longhorn beetles oh, yeah yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. they had they hung up posters everywhere. They're like, if you see them, you know, report it. And if you can catch one, ca you know, catch it. And you got to save it so that they can document it and all this stuff. Uh, because they're so worried about them getting a stronghold up here. Uh, yeah. And, and they, they pushed that hard. And I, as far as I know, it got handled pretty well. Because I haven't seen any, like, major advertisements for them being an issue in, in no, a couple just of like, years. Just like the giant African land snail, we're, we're knocking that one back. The... Um uh, the longhorn beetles. I, I think there's still some populations in the U.S. I think there's one in Ohio that they're working on getting rid of. Yeah. It's just, it sucks because these these longhorn beetles, these therambicids, what they'll do is they'll lay their eggs in wood. The beetles will live in the wood, you know, and they basically kill trees yep. because they live under the bark and they'll wrap around the bark and girdle the bark and, uh, and, and basically kill a tree in, you know, a year or two. Um, emerald ash borers do that. I, I don't. I think the serambicids also do that too. The Asian longhorn beetles. Mm -hmm. But like, if you move firewood, you know, if you if a tree dies because these beetles are infested it infested in it and it dies within a year or two, and these are like hundred foot tall trees. You know, yeah. like these are huge trees in the city. Like these are thousands of dollars to safely have them removed. Mm. But people, you know, will also these trees will fall out in suburbs and stuff, and people will then chop up the tree and then move the firewood, you know, to other states. Yep. And, like, we've even been able to – I think there was, like, a research paper that was able to map, like, NASCAR events. They could follow NASCAR distribution. events with, with emerald ash borer breakouts because a lot of NASCAR fans also camp and, like, they, they drive to these big events. So, like, Bring you have a flare-up, you know. Yep. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So it, it's fascinating. Like, when you get 
huge amounts of data and then what you can extrapolate from that data. And we have like, you know, hundreds of people, all or thousands of people all over the country looking for invasive species and working to try to eradicate them and recording that data. And that's kind of what I do now. I work, um, uh, it, it sucks, I'm no longer in the field, I'm now in front of a computer, but I'm assessing <laughs> a lot of that data and like trying to write papers to our politicians, you know, uh, basically book reports on bugs to our politicians to be like, hey, look, you know, like we might need a million dollars to eradicate this pest, but like we don't get it now and it gets a foothold here, it's gonna be a billion dollar pro project yeah. program right, right, when right. it starts knocking trees down and trees fall on people's houses and like these are bad and it's happened, you know, it's happened many times. So, so there's a lot of money going into this program so we could save money in the long run. Right. So, uh, right now, I'm very excited. I'm working on this uh, report on uh, the largest hornet in the world, the Japanese giant hornet, mm. Vespa mandarinia. It's like the size of your hand almost. I've seen and some videos. It, They're terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> they slaughter beehives. Yep, so the like whole in, hive. The, in the summer. Yeah, man, like a dozen will kill 30,000 bees. They're four times the size of bees. Wow. And so they'll just go in there and they just chop, chop, chop. They just decapitate bees, kill the entire hive in a matter of hours. And so, like, you know, bees, those are expensive, you know, like, because yep. beekeepers use those to pollinate crops and will travel mm -hmm. all around the United States to pollinate crops. And so these hornets, like, they just got a foothold in Vancouver, British Columbia, and wow. Washington State. That's and so, terrifying. Like, we just found out about them, like, this summer. It's public knowledge. Like, there's lots of reports. So yeah. uh, we're trying to alert the public, like, let us know if you see any, you know, in Washington, Pacific Northwest. You know, we're 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 trying to keep the our ears out and eyes out for these new giant hornets. And, yeah, oh, man, they're just like, but they're just so cool too. They're because so cool. <laughs> the Europe, yeah, they're no, they're so neat, man. Like, so they kill European honeybees. Like the, the European honeybees, just they're just like cows to slaughter, you know. Yeah. Um, wow. And they just they just kill every bee in there and then pull all the larvae out, all the bee larvae to take back to their larvae because mm -hmm. it's such a rich protein. But the Asian honeybee, a different species of honeybee, um, the Apis mellifera, Apis serrana, it might even be a subspecies, because they've lived with the Japanese giant hornet for you know as long as they have, yeah. they've evolved this behavior where when the hornet uh, comes to the beehive, the bees will all run into their beehive, and the hornet will enter the beehive, and they'll drop down on the bee and heat their bodies up by vibrating uh, their bodies, like buzzing, and they'll all just grab this hornet, like dog pile this hornet, and they'll all just buzz their bodies and raise the temperature above the hornet's critical temperature, but Damn one it. degree below their own critical temperature, and it will boil the hornets like in their exoskeleton. Yes! Like, yes! Cool it's yeah, so yeah. cool! I saw a documentary yeah. of that, and I was like, that is so incredible. That's insane. <laughs> Yeah, man, so they boil hornets, like, you know, and they're just, like, you know, even some of the bees will die in the process, like, you know, all For the greater the queen, good. you know? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's Long amazing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, insects are, insects are great. Reptiles are great. I mean, we haven't even talked about reptiles, hardly, guys. Like, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. You know what yeah. that means? We're just going to have to have you on again sometime. That's right. Yeah, for sure. I could talk about rainbow boas. I've got like 30 or 40 rainbow boas. And, yes. Uh, Sumatrans and blood pythons. Mm -hmm. and jungles and other morelia. So, um, yeah, we'll have to do this again. This was a blast. And this is a really good time. Just, 
Yeah, my wife's gonna be so happy because like you guys wore me out. Like I'm not <laughs> her all night, you know, talking her ear off. So. Oh, that's awesome. So before we wrap up, we usually yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I like to ask one question, uh, just to kind of wind things down. So. Uh, it doesn't have to be in your own collection. It could just be like in the greater, you know, reptiles, amphibians, exotics, you know, um, yeah, arachnids, any of that sort of stuff. Is there any project or, or anything that's going on in the reptile or arachnid community that's really got you excited? Something that you're super interested in uh, that you are kind of looking forward to seeing what, what goes on with it? Oh, uh, man, like I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Um, you know, I get, I get newly excited about things constantly. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, as a, um, as an invertebrate fanatic, I'm really enjoying watching the isopod thing. Yeah. And as a husbandry guy, I love this new world of bioactive substrate and I've been doing it for a long time. And like, I just thought it was, you know, being lazy and like, you know, kind of enjoying that like that enrichment you know and yeah actually as soon as i hang up with you my my neighbors down the street just raked a ton of magnolia leaves i'm like those yep. dummies left it on the curb to have the <laughs> trash man take it like i'm Ooh. gonna run down there in the night and steal all their magnolia leaves <laughs> right so, into the enclosures uh, yeah yeah like i mean i'll wash them and, and and like the snakes love hiding in that stuff and mm -hmm. you know the feral like i'm really happy that um as a community as whole, like we're, 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 I think trying to go more towards that, like ginger batted, uh, and like reef keeper style, maybe European style of like mixed species displays. And like, you know, mm -hmm. as long as they're, they're properly set up doing like springtails and weird isopod species and like with your Brazilian rainbow ball and tons of leaf litter and, you know, mixing it up and of course spot cleaning and of course doing big cage cleans. But like I kept snakes for years on newspaper and paper towels and, and they live they thrived i bred them and, and had a lot of success with them but like the behaviors i'm seeing when you give a cage you know a foot deep of substrate you know of like mixed wood and coconut fiber and sphagnum moss and leaf litter like that's just so cool you know and Hell like yeah. the animals are more fecunded they're more enriched um you know i don't have really any health problems at all with them so um yeah so I, I guess just like that as reptile keepers we're evolving how we keep reptiles and that's the most mm -hmm. exciting thing to me um and like yeah i think I, I guess i don't know i guess that's probably about it like uh, of course i mean we could just start naming species <laughs> like naming <laughs> things like i kind of like every once in a while i just feel like i need to get a pac-man frog and i have like <laughs> Dude, like every same. Years, I'm like, man, I need a Pac-Man frog. Like, I want a <laughs> Pac-Man frog. So, like, right now, I have a pa I have a Pac-Man frog bite. You know, I really want to get those Cornuda, but yes, um, we actually just got some Cornuda at the shop. Oh, you got any of those? Have you guys ever seen those really bright green ones? We got some like, of those. Yep. Oh, <laughs> man. I might have to message you. Yeah, we might have to do a little tradey trade for... Uh... Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I've got a bunch of Sumatrans that are about to drop eggs here, like like four gravid females now Boom. so that's awesome lots of marillia eggs so yeah we can we can work something, we'll out. something out oh yeah <laughs> so uh if people want to find out more about you uh where would they go to figure out what you're doing or, or to find out more about you uh yeah so like us on facebook um hardenherp.com or hardenherp hardenherpologica we're on facebook we're on instagram 
actually yeah more instagram i think uh we share a lot of things through facebook and then also our website hardenherp.com that's h-a-r-d-i-n uh h-e-r-p obviously um and then you know hardenherp.com Okay, so uh, thank you so much, Trace, for coming and checking things out. We really appreciate you coming definitely. and you know, donating your time. And we definitely have to have you back on the show again. Yes. Yeah, man, this was a blast. This was really fun. So uh, feel free to reach out anytime, and we can, we can chat about some other cool stuff. Hell Sweet. to the yeah. Thank you so much, dude. <laughs> have a nice night. Yes. Yeah, thank you guys. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya.